Hello, my name is Nick Spasic, and you're listening to From and Inspired by, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we talk with musician and composer Martin McPhail of Blitz Berlin about the trio's score for the crazy pants sci-fi horror comedy, Psycho Gorman. Formed in 2013 in Toronto, Martin McPhail, Dean Rode, and Tristan Tarr make up the award-winning trio Blitz Berlin. Since releasing their debut album, Distance, in 2015, the band has created three critically acclaimed instrumental albums and composed the original score to feature films, shorts, and movie trailers, including the recent sci-fi horror comedy Psycho Gorman. Blitz Berlin's music for films like The Void and the trailer for Bad Times at the El Royale show just how diverse the trio's music can be, so it was a real joy to talk about all of this, but especially Psycho Gorman, with the group's Martin McPhail on the very day the film hit Shudder. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me about um well psycho gorman uh first and foremost but also uh the the work of blitz berlin yeah no problem man my pleasure uh i guess uh first of all like because psycho gorman uh like today while we are talking it has just been officially uh released the film and the uh soundtrack went on sale from waxwork um and before we uh got on mic that you were talking about how excited you were that everybody else is getting to see it 
um, as excited mm-hmm. as you were when you first read it. Like, so uh, I'm, I'm guessing that means that you came to this project before it started lensing. Yeah, yeah, we did. So we've had the pleasure of working with Steve Kostansky, the director, um, on a movie called The Void. And uh, I'd been before that, you know, a big fan of his stuff anyways, with Manborg and Father's Day and the editor and all these sort of Astron 6 collaborations and stuff, which I just think are the coolest. And so I'm always, I guess as gently as possible, like prodding Steve for like, <laughs> cause I have access to him, which I still nerd out about a little bit, you know, internally. I just like, so like, what are you working on? And he always has an interesting answer for that. And, um, I guess a couple of years ago now, his interesting answer was, well, I've got this movie and it's kind of crazy. And it's, uh, about a psycho gore man. And he sent me the script and I was actually getting on a plane at that time, um, flying back to Los Angeles, I think, and reading it and like, on the plane, like biting down on my knuckles, like tears in my eyes, <laughs> laughing so hard, but not wanting to like yell on the plane. Um, just cause I was, you know, every scene, every turn, like it's as funny on the page as it is in, uh, in the final film. So we, you know, don't always have that opportunity, but it's a, a bit of a unique situation with Steve. We really value our, our relationship with him and our sort of creative dynamic. Um, and so he was able to bring us in, uh, quite early to a point where we were writing certain themes and bits of music before they had gone to camera. Um, some of that being a bit of a necessity is you'll, if you've, have you seen the film? Have you watched it yet or not? I have and I love it. Okay. Awesome. Great. Well, um, you know how there's like some songs that are sung by the characters in the film. So those were also written and demoed and, and performed originally by us. So it was, uh, also, I guess a necessity in that way that we sort of read the script conceptualized songs especially frig off in its various uh, <laughs> you know incarnations in the film um and then we were you know providing guide vocals and and instrumentals for the actors to actually sing them as well so it was a, a very collaborative ongoing process from the time it was just a script right up until it was finished i love the fact that based on like everything i've seen from steve kostansky the fact that he described it as kind of crazy, like, I was like, Oh, <laughs> you know what you make, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Like compared to, so compared to father's day, this is a crazy one, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, the, the thing that I, I did appreciate like when Waxwork announced the soundtrack release earlier this week is I like the thing I was most excited about is like i i'm very much a fan of the score but i was like it it has frig off and the end credits rap right like it has to otherwise like (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah it does what was that uh sorry go ahead man oh no 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 what was the what was the process like uh about like frig off is um uh for for hopefully by the time this comes out everyone will have had a chance to see it and we'll know what a great song that is (laughs) um like were were the lyrics there in the script for you to work off of uh that's a good question i'm trying to remember i mean definitely those words are in the script like there's the whole bit where um hopefully if you're listening to this, you've seen the movie, so I'm not spoiling this for anyone, but you know, there's a bit of a scene where they're walking in the woods and, and Mimi's teaching PG about different words that you can say and how frig is the coolest word. Cause you can use it in so many different ways, whatever. So that stuff was on the page. And of course his 
the Psycho Gorman's lines towards the end, which play off of it as well. Um, I don't think the, in, in fact, no, definitely not. They're, the lyrics to the song were not in there, but they are very much, uh, um, you know, derived from what was on the page and a lot of the jokes in there. So it seemed sort of natural to me when we were first writing that song, which just had to be, you know, uh, uh, 80s, 90s pump up uh, montage kind of tune. When we were writing it, it was like, okay, well, what would what would Mimi sing about and also would feel sort of like tangential enough that it's not really a part of, of the, the plot or anything. Like it's not <laughs> self-aware. It's like, this is just fully her song and it doesn't really make much sense. It just like uses her favorite words, you know, it sort of seemed funnier to me than having a song that like was about anything that was happening. It's more like, this is something she's had cooking for a while <laughs> and she just loves to say frig off, you know, it's like her, her battle cry. Well, I mean, like, that's what the end credits rap is. And I mean, like, that that's that's what, you know, like, um, the Maniac Cop rap or yeah. um, Turtle Power or the Monster Squad rap do. They are the they are the thing that, you know, you've gotten through the film and now it's like we're going to recap everything for you, but you can dance to it. Yes. Yes, exactly. And that the end credits rap was... I mean, very lovingly, you can tell it's it's a, a, an homage to especially the Ninja Turtles um, one because that's that's a film like both Steve and I are, are big movie buffs and there's a lot of overlap, of course, in the films that we love. But one film that we both just hold above many others is the original 90s Ninja Turtles movie. So that rap in the end, you know, I remember like, I don't know, being like five years old and like learning the words to it and like <laughs> rapping along with it. Cause it was like the coolest thing to me at that time. So it was so fun to get to write a piece like that. Um, that was just explaining the plot of the film in the most literal way possible. You know, well, you'll be pleased to know that Richard Usher, AKA MC golden voice has been on this show talking about that. No! Song. So, um, Oh my God. Yeah. So here's actually, uh, this is a, a little sidebar about that original discussions is I wanted to try to get a hold of him to see if he would be into featuring on this rap. And um, we never actually ended up going down that path because our timeline got so shortened and everything. We basically made the song, you know, in, in an evening, it was <laughs> a very, very quick turnaround. And I think some of that spontaneity maybe comes across in some of the fun of it. But my, my dream goal was to actually reach out to MC golden voice himself and see if he wanted to be a part of it. Maybe for the remix. Who knows? Oh my God. That would, that would, I could retire at that point. That would make <laughs> me so happy. Um, so like, uh, a, a lot of the films that, uh, Steve Kostansky, um, does have like sort of this, um, remix quality to them like i'm not gonna call them like <laughs> homages like these are full-on like like the void or father's day or psycho gorman are are like remixes and like definitely very much uh influenced by like past films but definitely very much uh modern mm -hmm releases um like so what's it like when you're composing music for something like that like making sure that you're not like getting too much into just retreading territory definitely that was um <clears throat> especially on this one that was uh a line that was really important to watch um you know 
the uh, the void for for example, you know, was although definitely in many ways referencing things and and you know a love letter to certain aspects of the horror genre. Um, a lot of the the score inspiration was like fairly obscure and fairly like noise based like lust mord kind of stuff um now with pg on the other hand it's referencing this a whole different you know family of films <laughs> and steve is uh he's very particular about sort of how do i put this he's a very natural instinct for the line that you're talking about between homage and like something that's truly original you know and i think that he uh, certainly doesn't want to make anything that's like playing on nostalgia for the sake of it or like cashing in on nostalgia needlessly, you know, like he's a great storyteller with great characters, wants to make this very much its own thing. Also just clearly a product of all the things that he loves, you know? So the line between wearing your influences on your sleeve and being too derivative is <clears throat> it's a fine one to walk sometimes. And especially with a film like Psycho Gorman, where it fits in this comedy realm, it would be, easy in moments to uh for the music itself to attempt to be funny Mm -hmm. and one thing he was pretty particular about is like that kind of ruins the joke like if anything (laughs) in the film seems to know that it's being funny it's not really funny anymore like you have to compose this score like you're an early 90s composer on a limited budget who's at the top of his game doing his absolute best job, you know? <laughs> so like that was kind of the headspace to get into. Um, a lot of the composing almost felt a little bit like character acting in that way where we're like, you know, we don't want this to sound too modern. We don't want it to sound too cool. We also don't want to sound like we're like making fun or relying too much on genre conventions. It has to live in its own world. But the bottom line is it's got to just be like exciting and fun in the way that those nineties movies were. Oh, absolutely. Like, um, I think the folks who like movies like the void or psycho Gorman or father's day or things like that, um, or even the editor, um, are those Mm -hmm. like who recognize that the things that they enjoy about those movies might be a little ridiculous, uh, yeah. and they're yeah. they're i think i don't want to say like the movies are themselves self-aware but i think the the, the folks to whom that uh, appeals are o- aware of sort of like the inherent ridiculous ridiculousness of mm-hmm. you know some of these uh older films from from which they draw definitely i think so and i think um in my mind anyways this isn't necessarily straight from those guys but the way i've always kind of felt about the way that they they create and especially the way that that Steve creates is there's such a genuine sense of like fun and play to it. And this is kind of how he pitched psycho gourmet to me in the first place is he was like, I want to capture that feeling of when you're a kid and you're in your basement, you have a bunch of action figures (laughs) that are from all different movies, but you're kind of playing with them with each other and making up these ridiculous, you know, things that are happening. It's like that sort of uh, joy that you can uh, approach storytelling with i think is what's so charming about all his films and kind of what makes them like transcend any limits of like budget or genre or whatever like they just leave you feeling so good because they're such a fun ride you know uh yeah it's like Patton oswalt's city council speech uh from from parks and rec uh like as a filmmaking style (laughs) that's it that is a fantastic reference that's exactly it yes yeah (laughs) 
Um, so, like, in addition to having done uh, scores for these movies, like, you've also done trailer music, which I think is absolutely, like, sort of, like, a fantastically interesting, <laughs> like, thing. Because, like, you're you're mm-hmm. having to distill, like, in the case of something like Bad Times at the El Royale, you know, like, mm-hmm. a, a two-hour movie into a, a, a two-minute trailer, while mm-hmm. also, like... Like, like you have to maintain like a certain theme for the trailer. Like how, mm-hmm. and, and what I love is like a lot of the stuff you do is super dark. <laughs> like, oh yeah. 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 And that's sort of our niche, I guess, in the trailer world is like, we're like, if, if your trailer isn't sounding like dark or heavy enough also, like, <laughs> I guess there's some, some, uh, allure there of going for the guys who all actually do like horror movies as well. Um, but yeah, with trailers, man, it's such a different game, it, as you would imagine. You know, it's much less um, a narrative mindset. It feels more like uh, maybe working in advertising or something like that. Um, you still work with a bunch of creatives, and and we have the the uh, the pleasure of working with um, many great music supervisors who make the role kind of fun and creative. But a lot of the time, it's pretty surgical. Like it, it's kind of um, you know, for let's say the bad times, the RIL um, example that you mentioned, we were given a vocal from an actress who sings in the film, mm-hmm. but then a bunch of notes about like, you know, we need this much pacing, this much drama, this much of a surprise at this point, a back end that does this, and it all has to fit inside two minutes. So it's, it, it's sort of less, I guess, free form than film where you're kind of collaborating on a grander scale to tell a story. And, and you're right, it's more about communicating so much information so quickly and also making it sound like uh exciting and crazy but somehow coherent um and there's so many people so many cooks in that kitchen all the way from the movie studios to the trailer houses and the composers and music editors and everybody to make that happen so it's a very different scene that one i'm 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 always curious like do like when you're composing for a trailer are you given notes where you have to like work sort of within the confines of the composer for the film like are you are you having to like try to get like a michael giacchino feel for bad times at the el royale or like a danny elfman sort of take for girl on the train or i guess Mm. i guess the, the the 50 shades movies or danny elfman as well yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the time, honestly, we're doing these before the composer has even scored the film. Oh. Like uh, <clears throat> some of these trailers are, are cut together, you know, from from dailies practically like the film, you know, the trailers themselves will be color corrected before the film is is even finished <laughs> shooting sometimes. So which is how honestly you end up seeing, you know, that that uh, thing that, that pops up periodically where uh you see a scene in the trailer that isn't in the actual film. And that's why that happens is because a lot of times they're cutting the trailer before they've actually cut the movie. So as a result, we rarely, if ever actually get to hear what the film score is going to sound like. Um, So, and even if we did, I think strangely enough, there's some legal barriers there (laughs) where like, you know, if, if Hans Zimmer or Danny Elfman scored the film, they don't necessarily have their rights to that music for the trailers either. Right, so right. Um, we try to keep it in mind. Like when we did the, the Top Gun thing a little while ago, we knew Zimmer was scoring the film. We're very familiar with the original Top Gun. So 
when approaching that, it was like, it's got to be big and 80s and fun and all that sort of stuff. But like, let's give it some like Zimmer, you know, horns and, and drums to fit into his world a little bit. So maybe as inspiration, but we never get to hear any of it. Well, because like I know, like that trailer obviously like works in a little bit of Kenny Loggins, and the like, girl <laughs> yeah. on the train works in a little bit of Kanye West, and then like as you mentioned, Bad Times at the El Royale uh, uh, works in the 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 vocals of oh, uh, Cynthia uh, Erivo, um, yes, that's a, right, a, a, as Darlene Sweet. Um, so like, d- does that? Does that add like a, another level of complication or does it kind of make it more fun when you're just like, oh, oh, I get to I get to reference Danger Zone? <laughs> oh, man, that, that is absolutely the most fun. Um, having uh, elements to play with from a film is something that's great to draw inspiration from and especially because trailers tend to be very quick turnaround. You know, if you're given a completely blank slate, just like give us something kind of dramatic. <laughs> it's not a lot to go on, you know, but if they're like it's got to be danger zone, but make it 2020. Like that's a, that's a really fun pitch to try to turn around quickly. Um, we honestly in the top gun process pitch danger zone. We pitched playing with the boys. <laughs> we pitched a handful of others and they're just like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, damn it. So, you know, of course the Kenny Loggins that made it in as it, as it should. But, um, yeah, we have fun with that. I mean, we're such movie buffs. Honestly, the three of us watch so many movies. We're big movie fans that, a lot of these trailers, especially nowadays with so many remakes and sequels and stuff, end up being to films or franchises that we're already big fans of. So I think that definitely helps us because, for example, you know, with, with Top Gun, we'd had a definitely an instinct for what Top Gun needed to be because I knew how I wanted it to make me feel, you know? Absolutely. Like, I mean, you know, like I, I watched that trailer and I was like, all right, I'm gonna go see it. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Volleyball, you want to pop your top off, you know? It's it, it can get crazy. Uh, ride a motorcycle next to yes. a plane taking off. Um, Absolutely. Uh, worth noting. Um, we've been talking about like all of uh, all of this like film music, but in addition, Blitz Berlin also does original um like non-score movies um and you have you put out a new single last year Mm -hmm. um but like so uh what's sort of like the like is that just a way to to do things uh free of the constraints of, of other folks and to like sort of uh keep your your chops up in that realm and just like or is that how it started or did uh, like i know you like yeah yeah it's a, it's a bit of both honestly it's it's uh it definitely started like when the three of us myself dean and tristan played in bands together for many years <clears throat> we all met like just after high school in fact dean and tristan the other two members of blitz uh they met when they were like five <laughs> and so we've known each other for a long time played in punk bands in canada forever played every little bar in little town you never heard of you know and uh so when we first started Blitz Berlin, it wasn't as a film scoring outfit. It was kind of just like an experimental music outlet. And all we did was play shows and make records. So um, the more that we've been lucky enough to have this career develop in film and in trailers and all that sort of stuff, uh, the less the focus has been on making albums, but the more they've sort of become a refuge creatively, just like you say, that it, it is uh, a place to go where they're 
aren't any restrictions. We can experiment kind of freely. We can up our chops for sure and just like discover new sounds and, and push boundaries a little bit. But um, I think the real reason is sort of less functional than that. It just, I guess, creatively feels like a bit of a, a breath of fresh air. It's just kind of nice to like make stuff without any without any guidelines sometimes, you know? So that's it's something we just, we really enjoy doing even though our main our main what we spend time on nowadays is, is the movie stuff but um kind of whenever we finish a project or we have a minute we usually get in the studio and then we're making some weird shit <laughs> that people <laughs> might or might not hear someday but uh but it feels kind of good on the brain to do that you know oh absolutely like there's nothing more fun than just being like i'm gonna do this thing to do this thing totally exactly um so like psycho gorman is now out and folks are getting to see it and it's fun watching everybody's reactions online (laughs) (laughs) um so like um like because waxwork is putting out um the soundtrack um like are i always ask this like when, when a label like that puts out like an album for somebody like are you uh you talk about being uh like movie nerds and cinephiles and stuff like that like are you are are you um also like vinyl nerds uh is it like i mean like that package looks amazing and i can't wait oh to my see God. it in person <laughs> Yeah, it does it ever. It looks so cool. We're, I mean, I, I definitely have a lot of vinyls that I've collected from different artists. I certainly don't consider myself an expert on it, but it's something that we've always wanted to do. In fact, this is our this is our first vinyl as Blitz Berlin. Yeah. Uh, it's this Psycho Gorman one. So it feels like a, a bit of a big deal for us, something we're excited about. And really, the credit where credit's due to the team at Waxwork and uh, – their artists and package designers and everything like they they really pulled it together and honestly sent us some like first drafts which look pretty much like what it turned out to be like we were floored by how well they'd interpreted the style of the film and and made this really cool package for it so we're a little bit along for the ride in that regard we've let the professionals take it (laughs) and we're just so happy to have a have our score on on a record that uh you know, I can give my folks and they can listen to. <laughs> no, that's awesome. You're like the second person I've talked to in like a few months who who like get their first vinyl release. Like Sam Ewing, who did The Shed. Like, uh, mm. like that was that's not only was for him it was sort of like a like a double thing because it, it was his first score that was just him. But uh, so mm. it, and also it's his first vinyl release. So, um, like I'm excited cool. that like everybody's getting these opportunities opportunities um and like for with really cool looking records yeah yeah it seems like a bit of a a a golden age for vinyl which i guess has been you know it's been coming back for years now but um talking to the guys at waxwork when we were doing the deal on this vinyl it was sounding like you know a lot of places are having trouble keeping records in stock right now and maybe it's partially because of covid and everybody's actually wanted to use their record players now or (laughs) or whatever but uh these yeah it, it's a, a bit of a boom for them so you're seeing so many uh people invest in this like cool packaging and, and distribution of it so that's exciting so um i always have to ask as we wrap up like what are you working on that you can discuss obviously at the moment mm-hmm. so i actually checked in uh, i'm gonna check my text messages right now before i answer that question <laughs> because i actually asked this question uh I guess that's, 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 yeah, okay, I think I'm good. All right, so I can't say much, <laughs> but um, we are currently working on uh, 
the uh, sci-fi show um, The Day of the Dead, oh, which awesome. is the new Romero reboot. Um, so that's what's currently absolutely eating our lives at the moment. It's a crazy process, um, which Steve has talked a little bit about in interviews and stuff. Um, he directed the first four episodes, and he's also a producer on it. And uh, it's crazy zombie stuff, and it's uh, low budget, and it's, you know in the spirit of Romero that way that it is like <laughs> there's no time or money for everything. So we are just creating as DIY every possible uh, part of the show that we can. So right now we're working on the score for that. So uh, no, what I find uh, absolutely uh, fascinating about that is that um, one of the folks uh, behind that, Scott Thomas, um, yeah. he's, he's from near, Lawrence where I live he's from Coffeeville um and uh like I'm a he actually I saw him speak when his last when his last book came out actually um mm-hmm. uh around here um and no like I'm a I'm a big fan of his work so I'm like very excited to see like how this all turns out yeah, it's definitely I think a different take on the franchise, one that I think hopefully people will uh will will embrace and it, it's it definitely has a uh a unique sense about it in terms of um storytelling and characters and humor and 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 really intense gore also, which is you know always <laughs> satisfying of course for zombie stuff. Um but yeah, man, I can't say enough good stuff about Scott and his partner Jed who are the showrunners on the show. They just are guys that have great vision, but they're also just like really smart, really kind and are great sort of team leaders in this whole thing. So I can't imagine what the production would be going like without their guidance. So that's, we feel pretty lucky to be on it. Everyone who's listening. Um, if you haven't read Scott Thomas's books, kill Creek or Violet, um, I highly recommend you track them down and read them because they are both scary as hell, but also kind of, funny so um nice uh nice. it will and also uh kill creek is super violent um so those uh everyone who likes psycho gorman will definitely enjoy that um <laughs> man i just yeah. i want to thank you so much uh man uh, for taking time to talk to me today and just go down all these weird rabbit holes uh it's yeah, it's, it's always fun to, like when folks are willing to digress and uh talk about uh, weird aspects of soundtracks and uh, how they make them. Totally. I think our brains work in a similar way <laughs> in that regard. I think we're both prone to digressions, which is, uh, it's fun. We can tangent together on this stuff. Um, but I really appreciate you having me on, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, it's been a lot of fun for me as well. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. they tell me to watch who's they management Maybe it's my would you mind opening up the door no i ain't gonna do that we have to get as far away from him as possible howdy
I'm not really a priest. Yeah. No shit. Thanks to Martin McPhail for talking with me. Blitz Berlin is on Instagram and Facebook at Blitz Berlin, on Twitter at Blitz Berlin Band, and their website is blitzberlinmusic.com. Psycho Gorman is out on DVD and Blu-ray March 16th from RLJE Films, with the vinyl soundtrack due out from Waxwork Records in April, and is now also streaming on most digital platforms. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at From Inspired Pod, and can be found on Instagram at From an Inspired By. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Click those follow and subscribe buttons, please. Also, please hit up the website and click on the Aid and Assistance button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees, and remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We'll be back in two weeks talking with Andy Chug and Sam Skarstadt about the Gilded Audio Music Library. Until then, thanks for listening.